that's Kent Ling's uh, problem solving, and I think it's really, uh, the things Kent does for our church are amazing, and uh, he's got it so that people could sit on either side with someone uh, who's in a wheelchair. I think that you, you think of the greatest things for our church, Kent. Thank you. Um, wow, I think, I think this sounds better. Thank you, Jared. Good morning, everyone, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I'm happy to be here. Um, did I mention that uh, Gary's spending time with his family and uh, a guest down in Madison with Bethy? And uh, Thanksgiving should be a time for family. And he's got such a busy schedule coming up in uh, Christmas. I'm happy to be here and uh, give him a, a rest, a little chance to recharge uh, before he charges forward. So um, <clears throat> I'm happy uh, to be here. Happy late Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, and I, I, I pray that you were able to have uh, family time. Our, our girls came home, and it was, it was wonderful. We don't see Hannah all that often anymore, even though she lives close. And it was a chance for Julia and Hannah and Barb and I to be together, even though uh, there was football on and, and other things that we watched together. Um, it was still a joyous occasion. So, in giving thanks at Thanksgiving, did you thank God for the turkey turning out okay or whatever you cooked and that the vegetables were ready on time and the table was set and everyone was able to sit down together? Uh, did you thank God for all the things that went right this year? Uh, maybe the chance that we all had safe travels. But did you thank God for your weaknesses? For in... All the verses that we read earlier, that Brooke read for us and we read together, it talks about thanking God for weaknesses. Now, I'm sure the guys at Deer Camp were talking about the year they got a trophy buck and uh, who plays the best cards and other things that cannot leave Deer Camp. But I'm sure the guys were still not talking about their weaknesses. In Corinthians today, Paul tells us, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of God may dwell in me. Now, that's in conflict with everything I know about Paul. Um, <clears throat> Paul wrote many, many uh, letters to the different churches at the time. So Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was blinded. He was beaten. He was stoned three times and left for dead. He was bitten by a poisonous snake, shipwrecked many times, imprisoned, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's telling us he's weak, what does that leave us? Um, and what does that make us? Why would Paul gladly boast about his weaknesses? This is God's world turned upside down. In weakness, we are strong. Through his wounds, we are healed. In suffering, we are strengthened. In dying, we are born again. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. 
And in Isaiah 63, he gives us beauty for ashes. What is it about God's story that weakness becomes strength? Jesus begins his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with this statement. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To begin this incredible sermon with that we should be poor in spirit, Jesus must think this is of great importance. When we become spiritually poor, we become rich. What does being poor in spirit look like? And how do we attain it? Some people call being poor in spirit being born again. We give all we have to Jesus. Our pride, our hope, our plans, our dreams, and we put them into his omnipotent, unlimited power and omniscient, all-knowing hands. You may not know this, but many people here in our congregation have already done that. Today, I'm going to focus on Paul of Tarsus. You know Paul was first known as Saul. Now here's where the Bible gets a little confusing. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about King Saul. He was a Benjamite and the first king of Israel. This is Saul of Tarsus. Um, he came later. And um, he uh, was riding a horse on the way to Damascus to arrest Christians. He was a proud and violent man, zealous for the word of God, imprisoning people who were spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Saul was knocked off his horse by a bolt of lightning. He was blinded, frightened, and humbled. He heard Jesus accuse him of persecuting him. Saul did not eat or drink for three days. And let me tell you, you don't drink anything for three days, you are on the verge of death. I'm sure he was praying, he was afraid, asking forgiveness, repenting, wondering why he was being persecuted by Jesus. You see, Saul was a Pharisee. These Pharisees had memorized the whole Old Testament. Can you believe that? Memorized the whole thing. He was steeped in the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. Pharisees thought they could earn their own way to heaven by following the law perfectly. They turned the Sabbath day into a list of rules and rituals that were very hard to follow instead of a time to love and honor God. Saul knew about God, but he didn't know God. I'm going to say that again. Saul knew about God, but he didn't know God. He didn't have a personal relationship with him. He was all about law and what he knew, his strength. What the other Pharisees said, he was following rules and punishing anyone who threatened those rules. Paul knew the Bible 
but he didn't display any love, kindness, forgiveness, mercy. He never submitted himself to God, but rather relied on his own knowledge of power and strength, and he used fear to try to purify the Jewish culture. Paul had to be blinded to see. Another of Jesus' upside-down world that sometimes is difficult to grasp. As the scales fell from Paul's eyes, or Saul's eyes, Saul, who became Paul, opened his eyes and opened his heart to Christ. And let's let Christ's power enlighten him to understand Scripture the way it was meant to be understood. Power is perfected in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.9 Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. James 4.10 Paul could kill Christians and Jesus could still use him. In fact, it made Paul all the more humble. He considered himself least of all the apostles for all he had done to stop the word of Christ to be spread. The Bible says he is mindful that we are but dust. This comes from Psalm 103, 14. From dust we were made and the dust will return. God knows we're just dust. And we're going to make mistakes. But if we continue to seek God and come to know him, God can empower us to make fewer mistakes and be brought up more in his image. God saw the conviction Paul had for the old law, and he knew he could use a man with that kind of conviction on his team, and he got a magnificent player. Yet Paul still had to humble himself first, become poor in spirit to acquire God's awesome power. When God created us, he gave us free will. He knows we will try to live on our own strength. And we'll probably live that way until our strength is gone. An accident, a divorce, losing a business, losing a job, or sick on our deathbed shakes our world. These are times we realize how powerless we really are. And we come to realize who really holds the power in this world. We can have our entire bank account wiped out with a bout of cancer. We think we are safe with the little kingdoms we build in this world, but they are fragile. They're a house of cards compared to God's kingdom. Once we realize that, we can come to understand this world is never about us. And the things this world values, it's all about Christ, our loving creator. Knowing him and loving him. In the verse Brooke read from Deuteronomy, we learn that God kept the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness to humble them 
and to know what was in their hearts and make them realize they could only trust on God. He was their only power. Um, to find love in God and love him back. Spiritual poverty means we submit ourselves to a higher power. God is a glorious king, one we will love to serve. He's perfect, all-knowing, all-loving. He will take our ashes, our fears, worries, anger, pride, failures, doubts, sorrows, sins. He will heal our brokenness, strengthen us, and set us free to have life, life in its fullest measure, promised in John 10, 10. He will stretch us and challenge us. My goodness, he's, he stretched me. But whatever God has led me to, he has led me through. I hear that a lot, and it's not in the Bible, but there's a verse kind of like that. In Exodus 23, verses 27 and 28, when God is promising to support the Israelites as they go into the promised land, if you remember, the Israelites sent spies out ahead and said, and came back and said, there's no way we can take this land. Those people are giants. And they were. Um, the Amalekites, I think it, what they were called, were, were like Goliath. And they brought back grapes that they had to hold on two, two guys on each end of a pole. That's what the land of milk and honey was like. God promised them to send a terror ahead of them and send hornets ahead to drive out their enemies. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 28, 18, that he has been given authority over heaven and earth and that we can do what he wants in his will and he will be with us always until the end of the age. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. When we realize how broken we really are, we die to our old self and ask God in. Realizing that all we have valued in this world is trash compared to attaining his beauty, love, and incredible grace. I once heard a pastor say, everything we buy in our lifetime will one day end up in the trash. And it's true. Once we are gone, people will be pitching stuff in the dumpsters. And when stuff becomes old and broken, there it goes. When it becomes obsolete, out of date, there it goes. Nothing we value in this world is going to hold its value. When we ask God into our hearts, he can change us more into the image of his son so we have something we can share with a very needy world. As for me, 10 years ago, Barb and I attended a weekend retreat called Via de Cristo. I, 
I was more prideful than I am now. Pretty sure of myself, able to keep up with the other Christian men. I could put on a Christian face when I needed to. And in listening to different talks through the weekend, I started getting cold. I put on more layers of Under Armour, trying to keep warm. I started shaking and my hands were like ice. I kept hearing the message of God's love and God's grace. I had always in my mind imagined, and it was in my mind, that God was a scorekeeper, keeping score on me as what I did good and what I did bad. And I always hoped that if I could keep the good above the bad, that maybe I could earn my way to heaven. I came to realize, finally, God didn't care if I did good. He didn't care if I gave money. God wanted me. He wanted my heart, as he does with you. It's all he wants is us to love him back. Finally, I surrendered I gave him my ashes, my brokenness, all I was. I said, take it. If you want me so bad, here I am. At age 56, I finally saw myself for who I really was, an imposter acting righteous, pretending I knew God pretending I could earn my way to heaven. Suddenly, I was flooded with warmth and joy and love for everyone who surrounded me. And I haven't stopped smiling since. In fact, my life, our family's life, is enriched for having Christ in our lives. I gave him so much junk and he asked so little of me. He promises his yoke is light and that promise and all of his promises are faithful. If you haven't surrendered to God, surrendered to Christ, don't be afraid. You will never lose more than you can gain. Blessing after blessing is waiting you. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's from John 15, 5. So if you want to do something, abide in Christ. God is waiting for us to take the first step. He's not a puppeteer. He will not coerce us into loving him. In making our first step, we have to give him something. Give him your ashes or whatever you're willing to give. Then he will fill you with his beauty. He will heal you. And then you'll trust and give him more. He will make you whole, step by step, more into his image. 
And it happened step by step. God also told those Israelites as they were entering the promised land in Exodus 23, I will drive your enemies out before you little by little until you become fruitful and can take possession of the land. It's that way with us. Our journey is so much like the journey of the Israelites. He builds us up until we become fruitful little by little to take possession of him and further his kingdom here on earth. God doesn't demand perfection. Come to him as you are. He sent his son to a terrible death so he could have a relationship with us. There's nothing that he will not forgive, heal, and strengthen. Remember, he is mindful that we are but dust. He will never give up on us. He will never fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31.8. Being poor in spirit is just the beginning of our relationship with Christ. Power is perfected in weakness. We don't always suffer, <clears throat> but we know those who have suffered and been humbled in this life. They are bold, brave, great warriors for Christ. Many live a life of gratitude, thankful for each day, thankful for each meeting with you, thankful for every experience. Through their suffering, we are healed. People around sick people write the most beautiful prayers. They come to know God at a deeper, more intimate level. We come to truly realize God has the only power in this world, a world he created, a world he put in order and made the rules for. He knows our beginning and our end. And we can only hope that if we find favor in him and in his love, we can spend eternity with him. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Now, if you are willing, tell God you need him. Empty yourself to the king of kings and don't just listen about God, but know him residing in your heart. Blessed are you. When people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And may we all give thanks for our weaknesses. For as we come to him confessing our brokenness, our loving Father will fill us with his beauty, his wisdom, and strength, little by little. Will you stand with me? I'd like to pray for you.